What happens to a person when they leave the love of their lives looking for cheap, quick thrills? In my case, usually homicide. Exactly! Welcome back, friends. Welcome back. It's time for another episode. A Forever Night episode. Season 2, episode 15, Partners of the Month. Matt was like, oh, this one. <laughs> I think this is my third time seeing this episode. Because <laughs> it's my favorite episode. Um, yeah, I think this is probably my I have. Okay, that's a lie. We all know it's a lie because I've said that like four times already. But let's say it this way. It is one of my favorite episodes. Okay. It's yeah, top it's, five. It it's is totally five. okay to have more than one favorite and to have your favorites be contextual. Yeah. I like this one. It's my favorite Skanky and Nick uh, relationship episode yeah. because, boy, do we get a lot of relationship development in this episode. Uh, and we actually get one where Skanky's personal life is solves what is, the, solves the crime. Solves the case. Yeah. Uh, but before we get started, hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Matt. And this is Come In 81 Kilo. the right introduction i'll push the right button she Ooh. confirmed which button Ooh. before we started recording i don't need you to tell them that i need <laughs> you to <laughs> let, let my uh this needs to be part of the legend <laughs> you're, you're robbing me of my legend um i just wanted to talk about a couple things before we got started one is and i think this is really interesting when you're part of a fandom that really predates um like social media and really predates like the connection of fans through easily accessible like oh I'm gonna go on Instagram and I'm gonna search the hashtag forever night and I'll find all my my nighties and we're gonna get together and be you know yeah like you would do now for a television show that's currently airing I mean there were listservs which were email lists that you could email to one list and it went out to everybody and those were big and there were forums and there were individual websites that were part of like web rings and things but it was a very um it's a thing that hasn't aged into a place where we still have it does that make sense like a lot of those old websites are up but you know how to find them if you used to go to them when you were right when you were younger and there's actually like a fan who is putting them all back up for which i'm thankful because a lot of the people that used to run them have passed on or have moved on for other reasons, not mortality. And so a lot of the way that knowledge is shared among the fan base is very like apocryphal, like older fans passing knowledge to younger fans. And you'll see that if you go back and look at a lot of our Forever Night um, posts on Instagram, there's at least one fan who will usually go on there and post a couple of cool tidbits about 
you know, like the black silk pajamas got sold at auction because they used to have fan conventions called the Girtherings. Because of Garrett. Because of Garrett. And I just think that's really interesting. But one of the things I learned this week, all that to say, um, Garrett Wynn Davies still has the mantelpiece. Yep. And there's actually, he just <laughs> shared or has shared a picture of himself with his wife in front of this mantelpiece. <laughs> so the mantelpiece still exists. And I don't know, but I feel like that means the world is a slightly better place because this mantelpiece didn't get like chunked up after production was over it got bought and still or at on. least stolen from set yeah it, it lives on so somewhere in the world this mantelpiece still exists and if that brightens your day like it brightened my day you're welcome but this is really our like nick and skanky episode our who they are. To, and then we air a lot of dirty laundry in this episode, which we've talked about some, which is, um, you know, like Skanky is never the first on scene. He's never the one to collar the bad guy. And one of the reasons we speculated, I think, last episode that he gets away with that Nick gets away with so much is because Skanky shovels the shit for him. He writes the reports. He makes it he cleans up the edges and makes it all make sense in a way that allows Nick to continue operating the way that he does. And Skanky gets absolutely no credit for that. Right, And this really dispels the notion that Skanky isn't aware of that. Right. Like, is Skanky just, does he realize his role in their partnership is uh, the straight man? Or does he think this is like an equal partnership? Well, no, he is well aware of the fact that he is the, the ordinary man to Nick's extraordinariness. And we our, our opening is actually one of the most successful cold openings that we've had in a while because it makes a lot of sense. It actually sets up the crime that we are going to be solving instead of setting up whatever weird problem Nick is going to confront in his personal life for this episode. Maybe because Nick doesn't confront anything really. Right. This one isn't really about Nick going through some trauma and processing it and coming out with, oh, here's what I need to do. Yeah. Or either here's something I need to change in my life to resolve some regret that I have, or here's something that helps me solve this case that I learned from personal experience. Right. And we actually get some Jeanette and Nick background. Huzzah. I mean, we know how they met. We know how they met, but we don't know, like, okay, well, what happened? Like, why are they not together together? Right. Is it this weird, like, sister-wife relationship? Like, what is <laughs> happening here? And we finally get, like, oh, oh, okay. Here's here's what happened. Here Here's how they used to be. And I like I love that part, too. I think that the, the multiple relationship development that we get in this is is great. And I think that's why it's one of my favorites. We even get a little bit of LaCroix being um, emotionally available for like a second. So we even get a little bit of LaCroix development. It's, I don't know. It's yeah, like 45 yeah. seconds of LaCroix. Yeah, come on. It's good. It's a good fucking 45 seconds. All right. So this is our cold open is really just like this lady is getting all dolled up. She's got on like a nighty. She puts on perfume, makeup does her hair 
And she comes down and her husband is on his very, very sophisticated desktop. (laughs) (laughs) It's a desktop, a monitor, and a printer. I had that keyboard. He's got it all at home. (laughs) And a mouse and everything. (laughs) And it's like, beep boop, my last word in testament. It has the like black and white screen. Um, I don't know. I had this computer. You had this computer. This was like, this was probably like a $5,000 computer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The first yeah. computer that we had at home, I think, was between four and $5,000. And dad used to buy a desk with the computer. Like when you bought the computer, you bought the desk to go with it because it was going to go in its own room, your computer room at home, your office, and it was going to live in there. So that's what this guy is. He's in his office. He's on his computer and he's apparently writing his last will and testament. Or rewriting. We don't know. But she comes down and she's like, what's up? What's up, Jonathan? And he's like, Vicky, I told you five fucking minutes. She's like, yeah, you said five minutes an hour ago. And he's like, look, I'm just trying to get some work done. She's like, would you look? And so he turns around and he's like, "Mm, yeah, you look nice. That's not the answer she wanted. That's in. You have pressed an incorrect key. That is the incorrect key, Jonathan. This woman just spent an hour getting that all on for you. The answer is you get up and tackle her. Yeah. And carry her up those stairs and do you do your duty. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, no, I told you five minutes, five minutes. Okay. Like, and then I'll be up there and we'll do whatever it is you apparently want to do. I don't know. I feel like I need more clues. So I said, I don't relate to this because this is a lot of work. I really just have to walk down the hallway. <laughs> right. And I was thinking, this is why it's important to put, um, these kinds of intimate engagements on the calendar. You yeah. put it on the schedule. Yeah. And then you say, Jonathan, uh, look at the time. We booked this ahead oh, of time. yeah, you're right. Yeah. Right. This is an important aspect of our relationship. And I am very task-oriented, schedule-oriented. It's on my schedule. Great. There is nothing less intimate about a intimate encounter that you have scheduled in advance. Nope. It, it doesn't have to be spontaneous. Fine. And it really... It helps because sometimes you get busy, you have kids, you have a podcast, you got a lot going on. It can be hard to remember to like take time to be with each other. So you put it on the calendar. It's not that. Yeah. So then when we're sitting in the living room and it's like, oh, do you want to watch a movie? And it's like, ah, no, it's a date night tonight. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But then we go straight into our intro. Oh, no, we don't because I'm sorry. We missed the dead guy. I got caught up in our, this is how Matt and I schedule our love life. (laughs) But. Literally, we come back and we have like, we hear a dripping sound and we're like panning around the office. And then we come back and there's a gun on the floor. And then as we pan up, there's a hand and blood is dripping off this hand and making this dripping sound. And then, oh no, Jonathan is dead. Oh no. I was thoroughly distracted by the screensaver though, because this was like the Windows screensaver. It was this one. It was the pipe one. Or it was the maze one. Or the star field where you like flew into the stars. Yeah. Well, that's a little bit of flashback for you. And then we go straight into the intro. And when we come back, it is Skanky. And Skanky's like looking in at the office. Um, He kind of has a powwow with Nick about the fact that this guy wrote a suicide note on his computer and printed it out. He's like, yeah, the person And he didn't even sign it. He didn't even sign it. And we go in and we have a brief talk with Natalie. And I'm not really sure what the purpose of this is, but Skanky's like, oh, there's no starburst. Right? 
And she's like, you are correct, Skanky. Often when people commit suicide, they push the muzzle against their skin, and this creates a flash of gunpowder on their skin, which looks like a starburst. And he's like, I knew that. (laughs) But for for the viewer before, like, CSI. I guess. Yeah, yeah, you couldn't Google that. You couldn't. you, You weren't. When did CSI come out? Like, when is CSI the first CSI? The pilot episode of CSI aired in October of 2000. Oof. God, right in the chest. (laughs) 2000. (laughs) I knew it was around then because when I went to school, when I went to college, everyone was going for criminal, like, science. Yeah, and that would have been shortly after that. Yeah. Well, Natalie is really, like... Yeah, I don't know. I really can't say anything conclusively. Like, it's not a slam dunk suicide, but it's not not a slam dunk suicide. I don't know. It don't... just means the gun wasn't against his skin. Yeah, I mean, that's all I've got for you. And Nick's like, yeah, well, it's low caliber, low velocity. And she's like, yeah, it's probably why there's no exit wound. So gun bullets still in there, banged around like a ping pong ball. And Nick is like, okay, well, you know, who whose gun was it? And apparently it was Vicky's because Victoria's because then we go up to talk to Victoria Levy, who is upstairs still in her nighty because apparently she went to sleep in that. Hopefully waiting for Jonathan. Hopefully. Poor Vicky. Um, and this is our first indication that something is not right with Skanky because Skanky's like, is this your room? And she's like, what do you, what do you mean? He's like, I don't see any male stuff he's, in here. He's making a lot of presumptions yeah he goes i don't see any dude stuff in here you weren't sleeping together and she's like i'm sorry what the fuck <laughs> so is so is nick nick is like um skanky <laughs> that's a little bit could you could you like what what the fuck skanky <laughs> and uh she's like he worked 20 hours a day we had separate bedrooms so he wouldn't he wouldn't wake me up when he came to bed. Like, we were in love with each other, but it was just more convenient for us to have separate bedrooms. And Skanky's like, hmm, right. And then they cut to the car, and Skanky's like, she did it. Wife yeah. killed him. <laughs> and Nick is like, Skanky, what's going on? What's really bothering you? And Skanky's like, well, nothing. You, you've got a vibe. Yeah, what? the there's, I'm sensing something. I'm, I'm pretty obtuse, but what's, what's the reason for the vibe? Well, what, what's the, what are we vibing with here tonight? And Skanky's like, nothing. I just think she did it, and I know she did it because women are evil. <laughs> 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 and I have come to this. On I, li- my I own. like the people have enemies, like spouses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And spouses can sometimes be enemies, and they were not having sex. And if they weren't having sex, and they didn't have a healthy marriage, and yeah, if they didn't have a healthy sex is the foundation of a healthy marriage, and you can't have sex when one of you is sleeping on the couch. Yeah, he goes, it's a lot. It's really hard to generate heat from the living room couch. What's really bothering you? Who said I'm bothered? Well, I thought you could have been a little bit more tactful about their sleeping arrangements. Sex is the cornerstone of a sound marriage. Come on. Just because they slept apart doesn't mean... They weren't doing it? (laughs) Well, trust me, Nick. The idea that married people make hot monkey love while sleeping in separate beds went out with Lucy and Ricky. It's impossible to generate any heat from the living room couch. Pretty damn difficult to get any sleep, too. (laughs) And then he yawns and goes, it's hard to get any sleep, either. 
Hmm. Is, skanky, are you talking about the case? Hmm. Are we still talking about the case, Skanky? This is the, normally this would be us going, Nick. Are we still talking about the bad guy? Right. But today it's Skanky, and then we come back and he's trying to talk to Cohen, and he's like, "Look, here he is. Here's his death thing, all finished. Look how good I am with the paperwork. Just like we're really good partners, Cohen." And he's like, "Don't you think you should put us in for Partners of the Month? That's Officer Skanky. The C is silent." What does he say? The no, H the, is silent and the C is no, not. The K is hard and the H is not. Yeah. It's something about the silence. The C is hard. Yeah. yeah. She says the H, H. He says silent. the H is silent and the C is hard or whatever. Because yeah. Cohen's like, yeah, but you're not silent. Like, shut up about the partners of the month. Like, if you want to get partners of the month, why don't you actually act like partners for one fucking second? <laughs> um, know where your partner is during the entirety of your shift. Just just ballparking it here. And she's like, listen, if you want this partners of the month plaque, like if you want that, um, you're going to need to try to stay in sync on this one. And then she tries asking Nick, what do you think? And he's like, honestly, I don't care if we win partners of the month. And she's like, no, about the case. And he kind of gives her his like, I don't know. Skanky's convinced it's the wife, but I'm I'm going to need more convincing. And then they go to Natalie. And Skanky is still on it. He's like, does anyone else have our record? Have they not read my basically fan fiction uh, reports that I put out every every week? He's like, the guys that won it the last time saw more wood on the job than a carpenter. And Skanky, Nick is like, Skanky, it's just a plaque. He's like, so? A I've plaque got on a wall. wall. Yeah. He's like, I've got a wall. I want a plaque. Feeling a little underappreciated, are we? Who's got a better record than us anyway, huh? Nobody. Rosen and Franklin, oh yeah, they deserved it again. Those guys saw more wood on the job than most carpenters. Skank, it's only a plaque on a wall. I got a wall. I want a plaque, okay? And Skanky just really wants this to be the wife. And he goes off on this rant. People have demons. People have enemies. People have spouses. She said she tried to revive him. Fits in with what I see here. Were we all at the same house tonight? Separate bedrooms because he works late? Give me a break. Their sex life had gone south. And you know why? He probably came home late after a hard night's work. And oh, she was just waiting to go off. Like he bought the wrong cream cheese. The regular, not the low fat. And she flips. It's not like he forgot. It's not like he didn't make the effort. It's just whatever he did wasn't good enough. Cream cheese, wrong. Oops, bang, dead. Whether you pull the trigger or they do, in this grand B movie we call life, there is always a girl. Cherchez la femme. Hey, Skank. Hey, you guys finish, all right? I'm going to find out about this guy's life before they throw dirt in his coffin. And it's like, maybe he came home one day and she just went off on him. Maybe he bought the wrong kind of cream cheese. And maybe it's not about the fucking cream cheese. Maybe, maybe she says he's not meeting her emotional needs. But is he really not meeting her emotional needs? And I love this, the look that Nick and Natalie give each other. Like, um, we have veered <laughs> off the path here. Skanky. Let's stay on task. Yeah. Stay on target. And I would just like to point out the bitter irony of the fact that Nick is now tasked with keeping Skanky in line, focused on yeah. the case and not on his personal life. <laughs> um, that's a little bit pot calling the kettle black. 
I think Skanky is perfectly entitled to have this moment of weakness when Nick has had, um, let's see, episode 15 of season two, roughly 35 episodes of being able to do that. Um, you know, come on, give the man a minute. He wants to rant about cream cheese. And Natalie even asks him. Natalie asks Nick, um, is something going on with him? And Nick is like, honestly, I have no fucking idea. And Natalie's like, well, that's cool. He's only your partner and stuff. Maybe maybe you should, like, ask him about it. Yeah. Well, it must be triggering for Nick because, of course, he has a flashback of that he can, he can go back to. And I love this flashback. I love this flashback for a variety of reasons. It all takes place in the same room, which is fair. I, we couldn't afford anything else because these costumes probably cost the entire costuming budget. Oh, yeah. I mean, Nick is in, like, a black coat. Which is pretty simple, but Jeanette's dress, the bespoke dresses that they made <laughs> for Jeanette are just, there was a very passionate costume designer on this show. And sometimes, I mean, I know that TV didn't get the budget that it gets now, but I feel like they used it really wisely because not only does she have this fabulous dress, but the set is very period appropriate. Oh, yeah, the room looks the, great. The room is very period appropriate. Everything is very period appropriate. And it's Nick coming back from, I don't know, being out, roaming the waterfront. Whatever, whatever Nick does. Whatever Nick does when no one's around. Probably just stare off guiltily into the distance. But Jeanette is packing. And he's like, hey, are we going on a trip? And she's like, mm, I, I, had, I had hoped to be gone by now. Yeah, I had really hoped to gone before you got back i thought you were gonna go stare off into the distance for longer this is really awkward but um, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving i'm leaving you i'm leaving you and he's like oh my god already no! already and she's like we've been together checks watch 97 years nicholas like I, i'm I ready need a fucking break. i need a fucking break i'm ready to go try something new which besides the i expected to be gone by now I th I was thinking, wow, Jeanette is very good at relationship communication. Yeah. Because she's clearly explaining. Except the using... part where she was going to dip out before he left. What, right. That, that's why I said it. Except for the part where she was expecting to be gone before he got there. She's using her emotion words. She's explaining everything from her perspective. Like, I need time. I need I'm bored. Yeah. I'm sure you are too. I just need to go do something else for a while. And maybe, you know, in the future, we'll, you know, this will, we'll this lock will eyes again, again and yeah. we'll fall in love. And I feel like that's season one yeah. of the show is them. Oh, hey, you're here? Oh. Oh. Huh, how you doing? Yeah. Um, Jeanette is the most emotionally healthy character in the entire cast. Yeah. Jeanette, the I will literally murder someone if I'm feeling a little bit peckish and bored is the most emotionally healthy character. 
If you look at the two dudes, the two toxic dudes she's been saddled with for the last 800 <laughs> years, she has had to learn to communicate because they are fucking terrible at communicating. Right. Do you know how many times she sat LaCroix and Nick down and we're like, okay, now I want you to use your emotion words. I want you to talk from your perspective and I don't want you to place any expectations on the other person. Nick, you go first. LaCroix is an asshole and he thinks I'm an asshole. No, Nick. That's not how we use those words. <laughs> I want you to speak only from your experience. When LaCroix talks like that, it makes me feel like he is telling me that I am not a... <laughs> you know it. That's why yeah. she's like, okay, let me break down how I'm feeling right now. I'm bored. Um, we've been together a long time. This isn't about love. I still love you, but I feel the need to move on. Or People I'm gonna change. Be, or I'm going to become stagnant. Yeah. I don't want to become stagnant. I need to keep moving um, or eternity's going to get real fucking boring. And I don't know. That's how we're going to do. And then we go back and we get our Nightcrawler. And this is another one of my, I just love this moment because we're doing our Nightcrawler monologue. We do our night mono, Nightcrawler monologue fairly regularly in the last couple of episodes. And he's like, love is not eternal. It isn't even long lived. And you just have to accept that you thought you were going to be together forever, but forever doesn't exist. I know what it is. You cannot accept what you must. That love is not eternal. It's not even long-lived. Let it die when it's exhausted. Don't try to resuscitate it. Let it go. You're not helping me much, Nightcrawler. In time, you'll see that I am. I'm cleansing your wound. Waking you from a stupor. Because of your grief, you cannot see that I'm an ally. But in my way, I love you all. And I want your love back. You know, and it's okay. That doesn't mean that the love didn't mean something, but now it's gone, and that's natural and normal. And then a, he actually has a caller, because the caller's you're like... You're not helping me much. Oh, you're not helping me very much, Mr. Nightcrawler. <laughs> <laughs> Who calls into the Nightcrawler for relationship advice? Was it last week's episode where he ranted about the full moon and how it makes you do crazy things? Is it the fact that he is clearly talking to one person all of the time? Oh, maybe you think that's you. It's not you. It's Nick. I promise. That, that's called a parasocial relationship. Yes. <laughs> it's just so wild. And so then we, then we switch to Nick. No, no. It, he review. keeps talking to right, the he, caller. And yeah. he's like, um... It's okay. I know it hurts you right now, but you'll see eventually. I'm helping you. And, but we're then we switch to Nick sitting on the couch. Oh yeah, listening, listening on his radio that is obviously controlled by the remote control that he has in his hand. Everything is that controlled does everything. By the remote control, his fire, his blinds, his radio, his TV. It's his a day must be ruined when he cannot find the remote. Because you know nothing has buttons. So yeah. he, can't, he can't do it if he doesn't have the remote. He's like, God damn it, where's my universal remote? And he can't, literally universal remote. It unlocks the door. It opens the refrigerator. It can, anyway, um, he keeps going and he's like, listen, I'm trying to help you. And I know it hurts right now, but it, you'll see someday that in my own way, I love you. And you just can't see it because of your grief right now. Right. I'm but your once, closest ally. But once that passes, you'll see. I love you and I want your love back. 
I love you more than she ever did. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Laclaw's like, I'm really trying. Every time I killed somebody, it was for you, Nicholas. <laughs> well, you? well, most of the time. Most of the time. Sometimes it was on a way. 80. But... We're batting an 80. 80% of that. That was for you, Nicholas. Some of it was just to be a dick. But some of it wasn't. I swear to God. <laughs> and this is when Skanky arrives at Nick's apartment. <laughs> <laughs> I love every scene of them together when they are together at the apartment because bachelor skanky skanky has been to nick's apartment but not in this way not in never as a casual visitor never as like i'm coming to stay right because you're my partner and you're the only person i think i can turn to in this moment we literally risk my life every night while we're out together and i think we have this super deep bond and I think I'm cashing that in right now. And it's just not what he thinks it's going to be. And it's not necessarily because Nick doesn't feel that way about Skanky. But because Nick has a lot to hide. And his apartment is where he doesn't have to hide anything. Right. And so as soon as Skanky arrives, now this is another place where there's an expectation for him to hide what he is. And he can't handle it. And I think that's why he doesn't, he doesn't handle Skanky coming very well. Because well. Yeah, and it's a surprise. Yeah. He doesn't get to... Like, have a moment and put the mask back on. Right. And so Skanky arrives at Nick's apartment. And he comes in with, like, pizza and beer. And he's like, hello, friend. (laughs) And he, like, comes in with the pizza. And he's like, oh, you wouldn't believe how hard it was to find a place open at 5 a.m. But I did it just for you, for us. Because we're going to have a great time. And he puts the beer in the fridge. He's like, oh, I love bachelor apartments. There's always room in the fridge. He turns on the oven to heat up the pizza. Because the cheese, it is coagulating. (laughs) And he just goes off at Skanky. Nick is just like. Skanky, what is happening right now? What what are you doing here? What are you doing? And he's like, why are you here? And he's like, oh, because I'm free now. And he's like, free? What do you mean? He goes, yeah, I pink slipped the ball and chain. I ditched Myra. I left. I finally did it. And then he's bringing in his boxes, the things that survived the wrath of Hurricane Myra, because she was throwing stuff. And he's like, I just need a place to park my duck, because he has his, like, duck land. And so he's always holding the duck. Yeah. Because it's important to him. Right. Right. And we find out later why, which, yeah, just helps the whole character. At this point, it's just ridiculous. Of course, Skanky has a duck lamp. That's important to him. That your grandparents have a duck lamp. (laughs) Uh, I think they have more than one. (laughs) Decorative duck decoys is a Midwestern thing. So, uh, you know, but the duck is also... You know, you're like, well, that's ridiculous. He has a duck. Of course, it means something. We don't know that yet. But he's like, oh, they forgot to put garlic on my pizza. Do you have any? And Nick's like, no, I don't have any garlic. And he's like, oh, you bachelors, you never have any food. Well, I'm a bachelor now, too. Well, that's me now, too. We're, we're two bachelors. We're going to fill this place with with stewardesses and meter maids. He just keeps going with Nick in growing horror sitting there. And then he keeps peppering in statements about why they broke up why he left and apparently Myra has been accusing him of not understanding her emotional needs and he's like her emotional needs you know what I go through every night she's lucky I don't burst down the door with my gun and shout everybody like drop the gun everybody down like 
Do you know what I go through every night, Myra? And then you need me to come home and be understanding of your emotional needs. What about my emotional needs? Which is probably a fair argument if he doesn't feel supported. But And he may not get time to just sit down and decompress before like she starts talking to him. Even if she's just like, Hey, tell me about your evening. Tell me about your night at work. Whatever. He may just need some time to just sit in silence and process things. So this part kind of reminded me of uh, the kids have a book called The Rabbit Listened, which is a very excellent children's book, by the way. But this child builds a very big block tower and the block tower gets knocked down. And so a variety of animals come to talk to the child because it's very upset about the fact that this block tower has been knocked down. So the first one is like, oh, we'll rebuild the block tower and it'll be even better this time. And then the next one is like, oh, well, you didn't even like that block tower. Aren't you glad it's gone? Yeah, and each of these animals isn't, um, the child isn't feeling better. Right. After. Another one is like, let's find revenge on whoever knocked the block tower down. But finally, the rabbit arrives. And we haven't gotten to our rabbit in this episode yet, but Nick is definitely one of the first animals. He's like, you can go back. You can tell Myra you're sorry. I'm sure if you took all of your things out of my house and put them in your car and drove away, um, she'd take you right back. It'd be no problem. You don't need to stay here. At all, for even one more minute. You could leave right now, and it would be perfectly fine. (laughs) And Skanky's like, what are you trying to say, Nick? You you don't even want me here? Do you not want me here? I'm sorry I came here. I thought you were my best friend. It's over, Nick. I wanted to come here and tell you first because you're my best friend. You're my partner. Skank, look. No heat. It's okay. Don't sweat it. I'll take a room at the Y. Hey, used to guys asleep clutching a weapon. I thought we were going to be able to get through this together. I thought you would be the one person who would be with me and support me in this. Right. He's like, you are my best friend. You are my partner. Yeah. Like, I just want you to back me up. Please. And Nick is a little bit flabbergasted. He doesn't really have a response. And Kinky's like, well, it's fine. I'll just go get a room at the YMCA. I'm used to guys who sleep holding their weapons. They're used to guys. Oh, who sleep, who holding, sleep a, holding a weapon. Yeah. yeah. And finally, Nick is like, Skanky, it's fine. And so he grabs the duck. Yeah, he takes the duck back Meta- and he's like. The metaphorical, no, like I'm, I'm, I'm accepting the duck your situation. Mantle. I, I accept the mantle of the duck lamp. You can stay here. And Skanky is like, yes. <laughs> and he's like, thank God almighty, I'm free at last. He's like, I should have done this years ago. And this is so traumatic, of course, that Nick backs into a flashback. About, the, about the time his wife left him. And because he's thinking about what Skanky said about the fact that he's free now. And so he remembers saying the same thing to Jeanette, which was like, she said, oh, I'm, you know, it's time for me to be free. And he's like, what is freedom? Freedom from what? What did I, how did I hold you back? How are you less free when you're with me than you are when you're out on your own? And she's like, this isn't about you. It isn't about us. This is about me needing to change. This is about my growth. This is about me, Nicholas, for once. It isn't fucking about you. And he's all mad about it. He's like grumping and looking out the window, which I just love how pouty he is about this. (laughs) 
which is so in character. Because he's, she's like, listen, you know, someday, maybe a hundred years, maybe a couple hundred years from now, our eyes will meet and it will be just like the first time all over again. And then we'll get to be together and it will be like no time has passed. And he's like, what makes you think I would ever take you back? Ooh, Nick, don't burn this bridge. I love her answer because she just walks over. And when he turns his face towards her, she kisses him and he kisses her back for a second before he realizes what he just did. And she's like, you will. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, did you see this? I am Deborah Duchesne. You will take me back. And he's like, God, yeah, you're so fucking right. <laughs> I just don't want to admit it out loud right and now. And then we get the breakfast scene. I love the breakfast scene so much. So we see a table arrayed with a large Stop. breakfast. And Skanky's on the phone and he's like, are you a mother-in-law or an attorney? And he's like, yeah, well, you're not my idea of a perfect son-in-law either. And then he hangs <laughs> up on her. And Nick comes down in his thank and robe. He's got his robe on. And Skanky's like, good morning, partner. How do you like your eggs? And so he like plops eggs in front of Nick and Nick like collapses at the table because he just woke up. And Skanky's like, you don't mind if your yolks are broken. Right? He's like, me, I like my eggs loose. Like, I like my women. Nick says nothing <laughs> and through, he just through this like, banter. And he picks up his coffee, and he walks over, and he's pouring blood in his coffee from the refrigerator. And Skanky's like, oh, the cream's on the table. And so he turns around to look at Nick, and Nick, like, darts the bottle yeah. and the cup <laughs> behind the thing. And he's like, it's fine. I take it black. And he's like, no cream, no cream. <laughs> And then he sits down and he just stares at Skanky and Skanky's like, you're not going to eat, are you? And he goes, no. And he goes, no eat? <laughs> and Nick goes, no eat! <laughs> and this is what Skanky does is, fine, after everything I have done for you. From the bottom of my heart. <laughs> you don't appreciate me, do you? <laughs> no one appreciates Skanky. That's fine. It's fine. And he's like, starts scraping the food onto his own plate. He's like, I'll eat it. It's women, fine. Women. Women. Buenos noches, compadre. Sleep okay? Come and get it. Take the liberty of doing some food shopping. What's wrong? You don't like your yolks broken? I myself like them loose and easy. Kind of like my women. Actually, it's better that way because you get all the cholesterol. Cream is on the table. I'll take mine black. Great job, huh? I love to cook. Love it, love it, love it. You know, as a matter of fact, after work, I'm going to whip up a little bit of my monocotti with my creamy Alfredo sauce. It's okay, Skanky. And why don't you try some of the bacon? It's that free-range stuff. They let the little piggies wander around on the farm, and they get relaxed, happy, and carefree. And boom, they slaughter them. Skanky, you get a better pork product that way. Please? You're not going to eat, are you? You're not going to eat. I'm not going to eat. No eat. No eat. After everything I do, from the bottom of my heart, after everything I've done, you do not appreciate a thing that I do for you, do you? Here or at work. You know, between you and Myra, I feel very undervalued. <laughs> I feel like this whole scene was just ad-libbed. Yeah, the part about the pit, like the pork, the bacon. Why don't you try the bacon? It's that free range stuff. They just let the little piggies roam around until they get all happy and then wham! <laughs> Slaughter them! <laughs> and Nick goes, Kiki, please! <laughs> 
<laughs> it just needs space in the morning. I love this scene so much because I feel that way in the morning sometimes. And sometimes our daughter will wake up with me and it's this exact same dynamic. Do you want me to make you an egg, Mama? No, I don't. I just want to stay here for a minute. Do you want me to get you coffee? I'll make you coffee. Yeah, I'll get. To, I'll, I'm gonna go make you coffee, to Penny. Please, just a minute. I need a minute. No eat. <laughs> and then, of course, Natalie calls, and uh, Nick lets her in on the fact that Skanky is now staying with him. And Natalie goes, get out of town. And Nick goes, I might have to. <laughs> he made me eggs. And she goes, you're 800 year old years old. What's an egg? It's like. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for understanding my pain in this moment, Natalie. Why the fuck are you calling? <laughs> <laughs> and she's calling to confirm that it was not a suicide. Someone shot him from a 55-degree angle. And so hearing that, Skanky is immediately like, oh, he was banging somebody else, and the wife killed him because he was committing adultery. And Nick is like, wow, that is a jump, Skanky. That's a real jump. And then he's going on, and instead of saying Victoria, he says Myra. Oh, yeah. He said uh, maybe maybe she was having the affair. And Skanky says, Myra would never dare. Yeah. Myra? Yeah, Myra. And Skanky's like, Myra. I didn't say Myra. I said Victoria, obviously. Huh. I mean, come on. And then we get to the wake. Apparently, they're going to the wake to question people. I don't know. This feels tasteless. <laughs> This doesn't feel, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's good because it's a way of getting everybody there. Right. And they did just realize that it's a homicide. I don't know. Skanky goes in to like work the room and Nick waits because he's specifically there to talk to um, Jonathan Levy's attorney. Lawyer, yeah. His lawyer, who is Jake Coulter. And he does. So he pulls him aside and they're having a conversation and he's like, you know, what about his finances? What about his marriage? Was he having marriage problems? And Jake says, that's what we lawyers refer to as a gross understatement. Because, yes. But meanwhile, Skanky sniffs out the side piece all on his own. Skanky's just reading the room. Right. And he sees a lot of significant eye contact between Victoria. Victoria and another woman. This uh this other blonde whose name is Julia Winwood. And he ends up like confronting her and talking to her. And she's like, Wow, do they train you to be tasteless? And he goes, No, that's genetic. <laughs> they train me to be persistent. They trained me to be persistent. <laughs> and so he continues his questioning. And we find out from the lawyer that Julia was written into the will, in fact, that he was planning on giving half of his estate to Victoria and half of his estate to um, Julia. And Nick is so wrapped up in this conversation that, again, he just drifts to memories of his own divorce. And this is when he and Jeanette oh, yeah, he, are divvying up their stuff. He tells um, Skanky that, yeah, it can be really hard to uh, divide up the possessions right and he, Jeanette wants her selfie basically because he had a, <laughs> she had this portrait painted of herself for Nick and he's like you gave it to me as a gift and she's like yeah but I want it back and he's like fine I want every present I've ever given you back and she's like why are you being petty and he's like I'm not being petty you're tearing my life apart <laughs> <laughs> And I love 
love the throwaway line. It's fine. You can have it. I'll just when I see Leonardo, I'll 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 get another portrait. Yeah, which gives us a time stamp. Because Leonardo it's, da Vinci, it's somewhere around fifteen hundred. Painted her painting. Her portrait. Her yeah. portrait. Sure. Which means Nick fucked around for like two hundred years before he got with Jeanette, like with Jeanette consistently. Yeah, before they got married or so whatever. So bold words for you're tearing my life apart. <laughs> She's like, fine, take it, God. You're being so ridiculous. And we find out that Jonathan had just called the lawyer, in fact, to say that he wanted to meet and change his will because he had finally figured out what he wanted in his life. And we actually intersperse this, like, instead of waiting for the lawyer to finish saying it, we cut to Nick telling Skanky about what the lawyer said. And we use right. it as our transition, which I think is really great. Because then we get the idea that they were recapping each other without actually having to recap. And Skanky's like... You did it again. Nick's like, what? What did I do? And he goes, you just had to get it first, didn't you? I got that scoop. I wanted to tell you about it. I was excited that I found that out all on my own. And of course, you already fucking found it out. And you found out more information than me. Oh, yeah, the great Nick. Just got to be Nick. You got to be the first on the scene. You got to know everything. You got to be the topper, Nick. And Nick is like, what is wrong with you? Isn't it great we got confirmation from two sources about this information and Skanky's like, No, it's not. <laughs> I wanted to be the one that I wanted to be the one that knew. And this is when he just goes off on Nick. This has been boiling for a while. And he's finally like, you know what? You want a little truth? Yeah. You like want a little in truth? Mid-rant, we transition from the car to the police station. Yeah. And so now everybody's hearing it. Yeah, and he's like, that's it. That's me, Officer Don Skanky, everybody's fucking doormat because my partner's always there five minutes ahead of everybody else and nobody knows how he does it. And where's his Boston baked beans for brain partner? Oh, five minutes behind him. I'm never there first, Nick. I never get the collar. I never get the credit because you're always there better. You're always better than me. And Nick is like, what are we actually talking about? I don't do that. You do that. You do do that. Yeah, uh, like know. a lot, You Nick. really do do yeah. that. And Cohen comes out to figure out what is going on. And Skanky is like, we're just hashing something out. And she's like, about the case, I hope. And Skanky goes, yeah. Um, Victoria Levy was, you know, her husband was cheating on her. And she killed him because he was cheating on her. And, and he was about to change the will. He was going to change the will and leave everything to the mistress. And Cohen looks at Nick and she's like, is this true? And Nick does not back Skanky up. He's like, I don't know yet. Like, there's some evidence, maybe, but I, we don't like. And she's like, it's fine. It's all hearsay anyway. So we can't even arrest her, even if I agreed with both of you. There's not there's it's all circumstantial. There's nothing we have to hold her on. And Skanky is so fucking over it because Cohen's like, stop acting like you're married. And when she walks away, he's like, seriously, you couldn't back me up even a little bit. And Nick's like, do you want me to lie for you? And he's like, no, I want you to act like my fucking partner. Is that so hard? Get creative like I do in the reports. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then we break up the tension by talking to the department IT guy, which I thought was really funny. He's like, oh, this guy had more protections on his computer than Madonna's home phone number. <laughs> <laughs> He's 
it's like, I had to go through 12 passwords. I had to go through half his family line just to get most of them. And he's like, then he wrote his own program. So then you have to know the language to even be able to give, have them give you the time of day. He's like, but I found it. It's the, he just got the copy of the will. Yeah. It's just really funny. The little IT guy who was in back there working. But it's the same will. It's the 50-50 will. So it doesn't really change anything. It doesn't give him an idea of what he was planning to do. But they decide to go talk to Victoria or to Winwood, Julia Winwood. And they're going to get on the elevator, which is like a service elevator, up to Julia's apartment. And so Skanky's like, snakes and traitors first. <laughs> this is great. And Nick is like, I'm not doing this right now, Skanky. But he doesn't get on. So he's very obviously emotionally reacting to Skanky's emotional volatility. This is why Nick is not a wise character. He is an old character, but he is not a wise character. Right. He does not know how to handle Skanky not having his shit together. He is just mad that Skanky is mad instead of being like, okay, I'm not going to react to this because it's not really me he's yeah, mad at. Skanky isn't fulfilling his normal role in their right. relationship. And Nick can't handle it. But they end up stepping in together at the same time. <laughs> because Nick is trying not to be first. Okay, you don't want me to first, then I won't be first. And he's like, well, I know what you're doing now. Now you're letting me win. That's not as fun. Like, I got to win on my own. <laughs> <laughs> and they talk to Julia Winwood, And this is one where, like normal, she would be talking about the case, but also a little bit talking about Nick. But in this case, she's talking a little bit about the case, but talking a little bit about Skanky. Because she's like, I'm not a homewrecker. They had marriage trouble before I ever got there. And I know it's painful when a long relationship ends. I've been through it. And everybody comes out. It's hard. It's painful. It's difficult. And Skanky's like, yeah, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> but then they go back to talk to Victoria. And Skanky is very aggressive and um, unprofessional. He's like, did you know he was going to write you out of the will and give everything to the lady he was sleeping with? Because she asks, he asks her if she knows about his indiscretions. Yeah, and she's like, "Yeah, I did. I knew, I did, I knew some about his business, but only a little because it was really separate and we didn't talk about it. And I don't have access to his accounts, and we don't even share a bank account. He had his money, and I had mine. And but I did know more about his extramarital affairs than his business affairs. Yeah, and they were working through it. Yeah, and Skanky and Nick." Have it off again about this because he's like, can you, that was conjecture. You had no right to say any of that to her because they're storming back into their apartment now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, you are allowing your personal life to affect the case and you know it, which is pot calling Kettle Black again. Yeah. But that's okay. He's trying to get Skanky to be the better man. Skanky's the better man. He needs Skanky to be the better man. Right. To pull him toward. Right. He doesn't Where want he wants him to be. He don't want him down here in the trenches with him. He needs him up there for the hand up. And yeah. he's not. He's down here with him and he doesn't like it. And they have a fight and it's an epic fight. And it's like, you don't respect me. You don't believe in me. You don't back me up. And he's like, you know, you're being ridiculous. You know it. And they end up 
breaking up. And he's like, that's fine. I guess I'll just, I'll go live up north with the Eskimos. I bet I'll get a warmer reception. And he's like, they're called Inuit Aboriginals. <laughs> and Skanky's like, oh, excuse me. I wasn't using the politically correct term. I don't know how you can be partners with such a, what's such a boorish oaf. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I do it. And he's like, I'm leaving. That's a lie and you know it. So I'm a liar now, is that it? Well, let me tell you something. And you can take this to the bank. We're through. As of first thing tomorrow morning, I am requesting immediate reassignment. No argument here. You know, I might as well resign and move up to the Yukon. I'll get a warmer reception from the Eskimos. Inuit Aboriginals. Oh, how insensitive of me. How can you work with such a politically incorrect boor? I don't know. Well, after tomorrow, you won't have to. Leave and so he takes his duck specifically, kicks the whole duck, box and all the way to yeah, the not an elevator while he's yet while they're yelling at each other and yeah. then he leaves. And then we get a flashback I, because I this bet is, they had a really good time filming that. Scene. This must have been so fucking fun, right? This is a fun episode, it is so fun, and you know, they loved every single minute of yelling at each other like they were a married couple. I'm a sucker for a good bromance. And this is this is giving me such good like we are so close as friends we squabble over right these you kinds you of have things. to air the dirty laundry once in a while right just like I'm I'm having negative thoughts about you I need to talk to and you about it I need to say that out loud once in a while yeah so that it doesn't sit inside and fester right yeah yeah so this is so traumatic it knocks nick back again to the resolution of his flashback which is lacroix showing up to give him a post breakup pep talk because jeanette has left and lacroix has come to be like you know why she did it you're just being petty right now once you get your head out of your ass you're gonna realize that you needed this she needed this it's important to keep life fresh you're not gonna die and get out of it so you got to figure out how to keep everything interesting and this is part of it and you're going to be okay. You're going to be all right. And then we cut back to the present and Jeanette is calling Nick because Skanky is at the Raven and she's like, um, he's driving away my customers (laughs) because he's just sitting there sadly drinking. Well, he was dancing at the time. Was he? He was dancing in the background when she was on the phone. (laughs) Again, his terrible dancing. But then he's over getting a drink, and he's like, "Oh, I love these little umbrellas. More drinky, don't be stingy. Don't be stingy." And I love the implication that a bar like the Raven still stocks the tiny little umbrellas. (laughs) Of course, it's a bar. She no, no, no. She's a themed bar. (laughs) There's absolutely no reason for Jeanette to have tiny little umbrellas. Unless it's some kind of a joke. Right. And so, but it, of course it is because it's supposed to be, he's drowning his sorrows in like tropical fru, fru, cocktail, fru, fru, drinks. cocktail drinks. Yeah. yeah. Or what did I see? It's like, oh, you drink your watered down wheat water. I think I'll drink my thing that tastes like heaven and gets me fucked up in five minutes because right. it's like <laughs> half alcohol. But yeah, he's... He's trying to, I mean, he got kicked out of everywhere. Well, he didn't get kicked out. He kicked he, himself he out. He left everywhere. He's, he's torpedoed all of these intimate relationships in his life. He's torpedoed his relationship with his wife. He's torpedoed his, you know, male friendship partnership that he had with Nick. And now he has nowhere left to go. 
he's a married dad with a child. He doesn't have like a regular bar that he haunts. So the Raven is the only place he knows. And so he goes there because he has nowhere else. And we get this really sweet, really interesting scene where we actually get Jeanette interacting at length with Skanky, which hasn't happened in a while. And I love it when we have these characters that don't normally interact, interact. Right. These are completely different characters having a parallel experience. Two very different relationships in Nick's life. And they are both talking about Nick and about their relationships parallel with each other. Because she comes over and she's like, so what's up with the duck lamp? And he's like, oh, it was a gift from Myra when I graduated from the academy. You know, you get it, duck. Like, like what to do when the bullets start yeah, flying. Yeah, like what to do when the yeah. bullets start flying, you duck. It's really sweet. It's a really thoughtful gift. Right, and that he he still holds onto it. Like yeah, that's that's the one that's thing the he's... primary thing he wants to take with him when he goes. Yeah, and this is this duck lamp is to he and Myra's relationship as the Leonardo da Vinci portrait is, <laughs> is to Nick and Jeanette's relationship. It's the thing that has the most meaning, the gift that felt most meaningful right. to each of them personally. And Jeanette wasn't allowed to take hers, but Skanky took his. And then they have this parallel chat. And this is where we get a line. My, one of my favorite lines is, you guys look great together. When were you together in college? And she's like, no, it was closer to the Renaissance. And then we have this like, you know, moment because Kenki says friendship is dead. Loyalty is dead. Love is dead. Elvis, all dead. Everybody keeps letting me down. I just want somebody to let me up. And Jeanette goes, how about I let you out? <laughs> Sweet. Myra let me down. Nick let me down just once. Somebody let me up. What if I let you out? <laughs> But Jeanette and Skanky start vibing. They're vibing about their, like, need to yeah, leave. Yeah, she's like, and... he was smothering me. Yeah, and they're, he's talking about Myra. She's talking about Nick. And they're both like, I just loved them too much. I had to leave because it hurt too bad to love them. I had to do it for self-preservation. I love her so much, it scares me. I couldn't accept the depth of his feeling for me. I wasn't used to that. So what choice do we have? It's an act of self-preservation. Yeah, exactly. We did the right thing, you know? It's not like I miss her. It's just a habit, really. Well, yeah, well, maybe sometimes I... I think I hear her voice. Can I see his face in a crowd? Or call her name out loud? I remember the softness of his kiss. Is it me, or do we just walk into a Sinatra song? And finally, Skanky goes, um, is it me or did we just walk into a Sinatra song? And she's like, well, that's my cue to kick you out because, woof, that was a weird moment we just shared. Oh, no, well, then he he has his revelation. Yeah. He says, you know, we get married to them kicking and screaming all the way and the whole time thinking we're giving up something like we're cutting off all of our options. And we finally leave. We finally go for greener pastures. And all we're going to do is get cheap thrills. And what are we actually, we're, we're trading all of that for what? For just, for just a couple of moments that mean nothing. And he's like, you know, you, you know what I mean? 
And she's like, yeah, I do. But usually that means homicide for me. Like, usually I kill people. Oh, yeah. And happens. he's like, you know what that results in. Or... Yeah. And he's, yeah. she goes, you know, usually in my case, homicide. And he's like, you know, and then you want them back because you realize how much more meaningful the life you had with them was. And so you, you would give everything up and you would crawl back to them just to get it back. And he's like, oh, shit, I figured it out. He's like, Jeanette, tell Nick he'll know where I'm going. He's my best friend. He'll know exactly where I'm heading. I got to go. I'll see you later. Hold my duck. And he just leaves <laughs> drunk. He's like, oh, I need coffee. <laughs> and this is when Nick shows up because Skanky has gone off to confront Vic, uh, Julia, Julia Winwood. Because in the meantime, Nick has found out that a large amount of money was transferred but Victoria can't do that because Victoria doesn't have access. The only one who does is Julia. Yep. And so we find out that he was going to write her out of the will. He was going to write Julia out of the will because he Julia wanted Victoria back. Yeah, and Julia knew it. And she wasn't above killing him to get what she wanted. And so Skanky goes to confront Julia Winwood, And Nick arrives at the Raven. I love this because Jeanette's like, I don't know. He said you'd know where he wanted to go. And he's like, oh, I think I do. Here, Jeanette called dispatch. But why, Nick? It, you have a cell phone, Nick. It would take you. It's taking you longer to explain to Jeanette about what to call dispatch about than for you to just do it yourself. What I want is a recording of Jeanette's phone call to dispatch. <laughs> That's what I want. Mm. Hello. <laughs> How did she go about that? Did she pretend to be Nick and was all business? Did she have a conversation? Did she invite them to the Raven? Did they have a heart to heart? How did that conversation go? I dearly want to know. Maybe there's somewhere there's a fan fiction, like a 30-year-old fan fiction of Jeanette calling dispatch in this moment. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think that would be so funny. But uh, Julian Winwood is immediately on to Skanky. He's like, oh, I have some pictures here that you need to look at. And she's like, no, you don't. Get your hand off your gun. Get the fuck in the apartment. And he's like, oh, okay, you got me. <laughs> and so Nick lands on the balcony because that he does he even know there's a door? I right, don't know. And he sees Skanky getting escorted at gunpoint through yeah, the apartment. Julia's having him carry her luggage, yeah. which is really funny. Because she could have just killed him and we would have been done. But instead, she's like, actually... It's really handy that you're here. My luggage is really heavy. I think you can carry it down <laughs> for me. And so he's carrying her luggage out. And at first, Nick is like, okay, all right, how am I going to get her? And then he remembers the conversation he had with Skanky, where Skanky was like, oh, yeah, Mr. Knight, always the first one on the scene, never letting Skanky get the credit. And he's like, oh, fine, uh, Skanky. I'll try so, it. So he flies up to the roof. <laughs> And jams the elevator cable. Stops the elevator with his, like, monster hands. He's like, <laughs> he stops the elevator. <laughs> and it just gives Skanky enough of an opportunity that he can arrest. He can arrest um, Julia. God, I can't remember their names. I think it's because it ends in a yeah sound, both of them, Victoria mm -hmm. and Julia. And so he, like, knocks the gun out of her hand. He tackles her against the wall and he's like third floor lingerie handbags and police custody third floor ladies lingerie shoes handbags and police custody i mean skanky does win he wins the one-liner game right yeah. oh we, yeah i think we can all agree 
Nick may be the first on the scene, but Skanky's commentary is always on point. And then we cut to Skanky talking. And at first, we're just panning around. We're just panning around the But the, the police precinct. station's full, and everybody's looking towards the camera. Right, and it's some police officers, but it's also a bunch of people who've obviously been detained and brought there. Yeah. And so they're all listening to Skanky's speech, and he's talking about relationships and the importance of relationships and the importance of being on the same on the same, you know, card and everybody knowing exactly what's happening and being with, you know, just being friends. And Matt was dying. He was dying at the secondhand embarrassment of this speech because, of course, they've gotten partners of the month. And he's got his little plaque and he's just like hugging his plaque. And he's like, I'm just so thankful that I got this plaque and that my partner is Nick Knight. And I don't know. I don't know what I was going through the last couple of weeks, but he stood by me. Oh, I didn't resolve my rabbit conversation while I was talking about standing by me. Jeanette is the rabbit. Jeanette just listens to him. Yeah. And all he ever needed was somebody to not try to put an agenda on this, but just to be like, yeah, tell me about to it. To sit there and be like, yeah, well, that. Sounds really hard. Skanky needed soup. He didn't need medicine. He needed somebody to just sit there and talk talk yeah. through it with him. And Jeanette did that for him. But then Nick Nick let him have his moment. The moment he needed to be like, okay, I am valid. I, I am worth Myra. I, I can make this work. And they have a heart-to-heart afterwards because Cohen wraps up the speech. She's like, and in closing? <laughs> and Skanky's like, oh, yeah, um, I'm thankful Nick Knight is my partner. And we find out he's going out to dinner with Myra, and he's going to beg her to sing show tunes. And they're going to have this beautiful moment, and they're going to get back together. And Nick, you can come if you want to. And Nick's like, no, I got my own making up to do. And then Skanky looks down at the plaque, and he's like, oh, Officer Nicholas Knight and Detective Donald Shank, (laughs) because they spelled his name wrong. (laughs) And then we find out that what Nick had as his thing he needed to do was he had his own duck lamp he needed to return to its rightful owner and that was the portrait that he had in the little lighted closet in Which his... I, I like that he had a clo- a little cabinet thing dedicated to this portrait that we've never seen before and that there's a switch on the door so that the light turns on when you open the door. Right. Well, you can't expose those paintings to continuous light. Well, right. But yeah. I, you don't have to put that means he's installed a light fixture in there yeah. within the last few decades. Right. Well, he loves the painting, honey. Okay. Leonardo da Vinci painted it. <laughs> but he gives her the painting. And I love his line because she unwraps it and she does the like, mm, I know you're standing behind me. So she turns around and he goes, eternal friends. Maybe more. And she's like, maybe more. Of course, we just had, was it Close Call, where they had Riverside Nookie. Right. And I, I was thinking, they get together a lot in season two. Yeah. Well, now we do. Yeah. Second half of season two. Yeah. Yeah. Because then we get our like spinning kiss where they're making out. Yeah. Were they on some kind of rotating platform? Or the they camera was. Well, the background wasn't moving. Oh, I have no idea. So uh, <laughs> I was imagine- I was I, like, oh. I'm, are they- I'm too focused on the kiss. I wasn't looking at the background. It was just the like. What like makes you think I'll half, take you back? A half rotation, mm-hmm. they could do, like, just on their feet. But they spin around, like, two full rotations. So they must be on some kind of spinning platform that's panning to the side. I don't know. He's the makeout king. That just happens sometimes spontaneously. Well, yeah, they can fly, so. 
Yeah. No, I mean, sometimes when GWD like gets into okay. the moment, they, people yeah. just, you know, it's like a 360 thing. Yeah. It's part of the Makeout King Conservation mystique. of angular momentum. Yeah, it's fine. And uh, that's a brilliant ending. And we're done. Everybody got back together. Everybody's happy except the guy who died. And Victoria gets finds out that her husband loved her and was planning to get back to her. And, yeah. the, you know, it was a good wrap up. Yeah. It was. And I don't know. I just love this episode. I love all of the, you know, they had so much fun filming this episode. And yeah. it, that's what makes this episode so much fun is because everybody enjoyed being in it. And we got to see a different side of Nick. The I'm grumpy in the morning and I don't like people to talk to me in the morning, Nick. Yeah, and we got the like relationship swap between Nick and Skanky. Yeah. And it was really nice. It was a, a good breather after some pretty heavy episodes and you know before we move into some even more i mean it was good it was a good yeah. moment of like let's pause and focus on what we haven't been focusing on which is the interpersonal relationships of this show because that's what makes this show work i mean the the plot is immaterial most of the time it's the people in the show that make it timeless right and i think that their realization of what made their show work is why this show is still around. I think we find often in like when we reboot television shows or we reboot movies or whatever, there's a real failure to understand what made the show work in the first place. Right. It's like we're translating you know, these features of the show over, but it's the wrong things. It's the wrong things. It's like, oh, well, people like that he was a vampire and he was a detective. Well, we'll just make Moonlight and that'll be fine. Right. And it's like, no, it was the fact that he was a vampire detective who wanted to be mortal and the relationships that 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 allowed to happen the people he got to be with the interactions that he got to have and then our window into all the things that happen because you know because you have a best friend who's human and he breaks up with his wife and he comes to live with you well, what do you do you don't eat how do you have how do you take care of what you need to take care of without Letting him in on the secret. Right. And and it, still try to be there for your partner. Right. And it leads to these really interesting, really funny, really organic feeling scenes where they're having these fights that could seem ridiculous. But because of the relationship we've established up until now, they don't. They feel they feel like a, a natural airing of dirty laundry that needed to happen. And we're all glad it did. Because in the end, it deepens the character of Skanky to know that he knows exactly what his role in, is in their relationship. That he is under no illusions about who gets first, who collars the bad guy every time. And it bothers him. And that that's okay. And that now Nick knows it bothers him. Maybe he can work on it. We're never going to reference any of this again. As usual. As usual. Actually, we are. We're going we're gonna to see oh, a couple the, of these uh... scenes again. Yeah, I've seen a flashback, I think, from Skanky's perspective of it was closer to the Renaissance. Yes. Yes, you probably have, because that's favorite episode two of five. <laughs> <laughs> close call. Oh, I said close call. I meant crazy love earlier. But close call, we're going to see this scene again. But that's pretty much our only episode where we 
we do any referencing back. And it's kind of an elevator episode, but we're not there. We're not there. We're not there. I'm living yeah. a spoiler-free life. I'm not going to tell anybody about it. Do you have any thoughts, feelings, or emotions that you would like to express? No, I think Since I expressed we're having them. a healthy relationship conversation right now. <laughs> do you have any dirty laundry you want to air? Um, maybe we should uh, point out the definition of equivocation that we were using oh, in Baby yeah. Baby. Yeah. So. Yeah. The definition I was using is the way uh, John Verveke defines it, which is, let me look up the quote that I sent to um, this conversation on the Discord. Equivocation is when you fall into confusion precisely because you do not keep track of the meaning of your terms. So it comes from equivocate, same word. Mm -hmm. And when two people are talking, they may have different contexts that they're using that term in. Like in Baby Baby, she's using floral metaphorical language to describe the existential effect of like your legacy of having children as eternity. Like yeah. give me eternity immortality by, you know, getting me pregnant so that I can have a child and, you know, my legacy lives on through my child. Right. And that's eternity for me. But in Nick's mind, eternity means vampire. Right. And so their equivocation there was that they were, they had different meanings for the word eternity right. and immortality. The equivocation isn't the clarification of each of what we each are talking about. It is the act of talking about thinking you're talking about the same thing and you're not. Right. It, it is the act of that confusion. Right. The and if we the, don't keep track of our terms, what is the one he uses? Like nothing is better oh, yeah. than um, nothing is better than a long happy life, and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich is better than nothing. And in those two situations, nothing means something different. Yeah. But if you take them, if you equivocate on what nothing means, if you don't keep track of what nothing means in each statement, then you can make the statement based on A and B statements, you should eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and then kill yourself. Right. Because a peanut butter peaked. sandwich is better than a long and happy life. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and I was using it differently. That was on me. But it was really, it's really the the mumbling or the, like, lack of clarity. Right, and so the solution to that is, like, over-communicating or asking the person, what do you mean by eternity? Like, yeah. when you imagine eternity, like, can you spell that out for me? What what happens, you know, af after I give it to you? right. That if Nick had said something like that, that would have resolved the equivocation. Yes. And and they could, you know, have a more fulfilling reaction and or interaction and Nick could say, Oh, oh, that eternity I can't give you. Yes. Or let let's talk about exactly what that means before we make that decision. Right. Before you make that decision, so you know exactly what you're getting into. Right. I'm going when or Nick could say, 
hold on. Before I make, before I take an irreversible action, I'm going to spell out for you what eternity and immortality mean. Right. If I give it to you, what does that mean for you? Here's what it is. You're going to be a vampire. Yeah. And just going to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not what I want. I can't believe that episode was two hours long. <laughs> I mean, I kind of can because, wow, what a bold choice that episode was. This was a good but predictable sort of an episode. I feel like Partners of the Month is good, but it's very much in a 90s wheelhouse. Yeah. Except, I mean, yeah, even showing two male characters squabbling like this is is totally acceptable because this is like a sitcom right? where you have two characters, two male characters that live together and they're such close friends that they fight like a married couple. Right. That That's fine. This is but a, what does Meg call her? A maybe lesbian? Be <laughs> like, I, I'm not sure where she falls on this, on any particular spectrum. And what she's really wanting is just like a genetic donation. Right. And, this the fact that we even brushed up against the idea that this woman didn't want the nuclear family. She just wanted a baby and then an absentee father. So she was allowed to right. do whatever that the fuck been, she wanted. That would have been a very controversial position to have in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Even. Yes. I mean, even still for some people today. So just a little bit wild and great. Like, I don't know. Every, it's not everybody's cup of tea episode. I get that because there's some leaps that we take that seem a little odd, like Nick not clarifying right. what eternity means. And then Nick sort of trying to impose his own sense of morality on somebody else when like he doesn't do that to Jeanette at all. Right. Jeanette kills far, far more people. Maybe he feels more responsible for God, we're talking about this episode again. Maybe he think he feels more responsible for Serena because he made Serena. Yeah. And so Serena, he's guilty of making her, and then like everything that she's done after that is his fault. Well, it's not even the first vampire he's turned. Right. And right. the la- well, of course, <laughs> the last one that we saw that he turned was like the woman on the beach, the I wanna be beautiful lady. Yeah. Red leprosy. And the first time she killed somebody, he was like, right, fuck it. And he killed her. <laughs> he killed her, like dumped her in the dumped her in the fire. So maybe this is on brand, actually. Maybe that's completely on brand. I don't know. We'll just have to keep watching. We have like ten episodes left in season two. Cool. Gonna get good. We're getting closer and closer to curiouser and curiouser, which is probably one out of five. Top, top. It's like favoritist of favorites. Okay. Gotcha. I love Curiouser and Curiouser. Because we get to see all of the characters um, outside of what we normally see them doing. So, anyway, I'm not, this is God, spoiler free life. Until next time, friends. Until next time. Bye. Bye.